The book of Exodus is a biblical text that moves the people of Israel from slavery to liberation, from wilderness to promise, from bondage to Pharaoh, to bonding with Yahweh. At the center of the text is a shepherd who stumbled on a flaming bush and kicks his shoes off. Holy ground is his word. And between the bookends of the Exodus and the building of the tabernacle or place of worship for the people of Yahweh are a range of activities, plagues, sea walls, wilderness wanderings, fiery mountains, and golden calves. And the struggle of the people was that they were looking for security for something to hold on to, something that would hold them steady when the ground under their feet shook or their steps grew heavy, tongues parched, and shaken trust in Moses led them to bow down at the feet of golden idols. In the verses just prior to our reading for today, God is fed up with the people and tells them they are a stiff-necked bunch of ingrates. They fastened their energy and their focus on idols and certainties along the way. But God's call to them is to be a people on the road, a pilgrimage, pitching tents of meeting and expecting to be met by God. Today's reading from Exodus 33 takes us off the grid to a tent of meeting out at the edge of the assembled folk. Rather than the centrally located tabernacle, the place where God's revelation to Moses occurs is in this distant tent. And yet there's irony to this placement because the placement is purely geographical because the face-to-face -face relationship that God establishes with Moses in this out-of-the-way place is one like someone speaking to a friend. And the metaphor of a temporary dwelling for the people of God is a rich one for us as the Harvard Memorial Church community in this fall semester. We find ourselves this morning in a temporary dwelling. Not exactly a tent, but certainly not a space that anyone would have thought would be the location of Harvard Memorial Church's worshiping community. We are not in exile as those cited in the book of Exodus. We have plenty of familiar markers in this place. But we are off-site, closer to the edge of the Harvard campus, not in our usual prominent place in the yard. And it strikes me at this moment, like that ancient tent of meeting, there's tremendous potential for new perspective, a deeper sense of our purpose as a faith community at Harvard, and great potential that we will meet God in this place. Like those who set sail across the rapids of change in the early days of Israel, and also the community of the early church that Paul was speaking to in our New Testament lesson, 
standing on the foundations that have been built by those that have gone before us and recognizing that Jesus Christ is our foundation is a remarkably wonderful and compelling insight for this time in our life here at Harvard. It's not lost on anyone in this room that we are living in a time in history of staggering change. With the dawning of the 21st century, we've experienced incomprehensible global connection through cyber systems. We found ourselves in environmental calamity. Advances in medical and technological support have given us new horizons for our work as people. But global poverty and hunger at unimaginable levels, as well as human trafficking and ser serious sexual misconduct, put us in a place where we need to listen closely to what happens in that meeting place between God and God's people at this time in history. Living in a time of great upheaval when the earth seems to be groaning in travail has special implications for us who claim faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith in God is tested at every turn by upending what we assume to be secure. And our reaction to that uncertainty is often to grasp on to what appears solid, absolute, whether structures like a church building or ideologies that appear to be conclusive. But what happens when we're asked to pull up stakes, to move out, to go down the street or across the city or across the planet to gain perspective on God's call to us? This past month, I had the privilege of attending the International Association of College of Chaplains in Higher Education Conference at La Trobe University in Bendigo, Australia. Following the conference, I joined six colleagues for a post-conference tour of the South Island of New Zealand. We arrived in Christchurch, New Zealand on a spectacular July day. But within a short time, we were reminded of a city that underwent massive devastation from an earthquake in 2011 that demolished much of the city, including the great Anglican Cathedral that had stood in its place since 1864. Standing at the safety fence of the damaged cathedral, the earthquake could have been a mere few weeks before broken glass, crumbling walls, the bell tower gone, walls askew, the power of the earthquake upended the certain walls, and the wreckage that remained holds host to a congregation of pigeons. Well, as the church was the home to a vibrant congregation as well as a cultural center of sorts, it also was a place of great hospitality and care for the community. Philip Reeves, the great-great-great-grandson of the founding father of the cathedral, wrote a piece for NPR on the fate of the severely damaged cathedral. And in that interview, he interviewed one person by the name of Rosie Belton, who reflected on her experience of that earthquake in this way. We've lived with this feeling of how safe we've made our lives, 
You know, we've got our life insurance, we've got our health insurance, we've got our house insurance. We think the ground's terra firma, she said. The quakes were a reminder that human beings are visitors on this planet and that we need to have a lot more respect for what it can do, she said. Well, following the earthquake, a community of worshipers were looking for a place to continue their life and ministry. So in 2013, the cathedral's marketing and development manager invited Sigaru Ban, a Japanese architect, to visit and discuss a temporary cathedral that could hold host to cultural and musical events as well as a worshiping community. Known as a disaster architect who had won worldwide acclaim for creative, innovative, easy to build structures for disaster victims, Mr. Bond was so inspired by the situation that he offered to design a building pro bono. What resulted? A cardboard cathedral comprised of 86 cardboard tubes timber and steel. Eight shipping containers similar to the blue FEMA trailers of Katrina notoriety were used to form the walls and worshipers now gather in this new transitional cathedral. It's a stark, brightly lit, tent-like structure made in part by cardboard tubes. It's a temporary dwelling for a community that came to trust the bricks and mortar and stone of that huge cathedral. Well, inspired by the grand wisdom of a little band of religious pilgrims in New Zealand, New Zealand, I am struck that our work as those who worship and awaken faith in the academy are called to go to the edges and to build upon the solid foundation of Christ and to inhabit fully our temporary dwelling. Akin to the dwellers of the cardboard cathedral, those of us who find ourselves uprooted from the known and on unfamiliar turf may just be best equipped to engage the university and wider community. The terra firma that has anchored our lives in the past centuries is under renovation. Memorial Church, to be sure, but actually, I would say that the entire planet at this time in history is under renovation. In times of great change, when the very foundations of what we have relied upon, whether human knowledge, assumptions about the globe or in its capacity to sustain life, the steady love of family and friends, our reliance on religious and spiritual community to hold our hearts each week, all of this seems to be shaken by changes too large to fathom. So what gives us security? For most of us, this dynamic is not new. And this is especially true for the new students who arrive on our campus this week whom we observe maybe from the outside as confident and together, but under the calm exterior is persistent buckling, upending, fear, and worry. 
And yet maybe our students are better at making their way across the rapids of life than the more seasoned among us. One of my chaplaincy colleagues observes, sometimes it seems that the main spring of young adulthood is wound by the paradox of change and resistance to change. And that same continuum our institutions navigate, though at their own pace, lumbering pace, generally risking far less than the students do in the process. Students are, in general, he, he concludes, more agile in transit between continuity and discontinuity, comfort and discomfort, balance and dislocation. Our work as a faith community is lived out by our love for our students, and it's animated by the steady commitment as followers of Jesus Christ, whose life, death, and resurrection charted a course that not only tread on the quaking world, but led those who were jarred loose by systems that oppress, silence, and keep at bay with the liberating word of hope and joy. Our work is to serve those whose well-being is essential as they tread upon all that quakes and rocks under the solid power of God's spirit revealed in Jesus Christ. During our displacement from Memorial Church Sanctuary, we're given a wonderful and unique opportunity to gaze at a new horizon. For many of us in this room, we have spent innumerable Sunday mornings in the Memorial Church Sanctuary. And for many of us as well, we shake the sleep from our eyes daily, making our pilgrimage to morning prayers in Appleton Chapel, being enveloped by the simple New England beauty of those spaces. Coming to this semester to a gym on the Radcliffe Yard, where countless Radcliffe women ran around the track and climbed and batted and served and, yes, swam, carries with it a wonderful new horizon. And finding our way to Holden Chapel for morning prayers, a place where people have been praying for a very long time, sets our gaze afresh. This year, we are in new kinship with our first-year students who are displaced from the familiar as they begin their college career. And to my mind, this change poises us to see anew, to imagine new possibilities, and even more profoundly, to wait on the new life that is promised from God through Jesus Christ, if only we will trust that that is in our midst. So how will God's presence speak to us in this community this year, in this temporal quarters of the Radcliffe Gym? If the church and faith community is the temple where God's spirit dwells, then we better be ready to open ourselves to the manifestations of the spirit in our midst. As we're in the renovation of Memorial Church, I've been drawn to the writings of Reverend Heidi Newmark, a Lutheran pastor who served for two decades at the Church of the Transfiguration. It's a Lutheran church in New York's South Bronx. In her book, 
breathing space, she recounts a multi-year church building project. And I suspect many of us will relate to her reflections on the project as she writes. Some pastors have framed diplomas, awards, certificates of appreciation hanging around their walls, bearing witness to their proud accomplishments. I had a sewer permit, an irritating reminder of the construction setbacks and personal inadequacies. Our plan was to build an extension on our existing building in the adjoining parking lot, as few of our members now had cars, where we needed room not for cars, but for children and teenagers and for adults. We called the project Space for Grace. She goes on, before any digging in the parking lot could commence, we needed that sewer permit. This was my first venture into the world of construction. I was shocked to discover that such things take time. Months passed while the paperwork sat on someone's desk. I got to the point where I realized it was at the top of the prayer concerns list for the people in the church. It was quite clear that the Bronx Department of Buildings didn't have a priority for a space for grace. Reverend Newmark weaves beautiful theological imagery around the range of issues that arose as this financially poor but spiritually rich congregation made its way through the building project. And once they finally received the sewer permit and then the building permit, the work began. And she describes the day that the backhoe began its work. There were mountain thundering claps with rumbling earth quaking. She speaks of this as theophany, that is, God-showing moments. And when the news is about to begin, things often get shaken up, she reflects. On Mount Sinai, at the giving of the Ten Commandments, the earth shook violently. At the crucifixion, an earthquake caused the centurion and guards to declare in their terror, in truth, this was the Son of God. And I think her insight is apt for this day and this moment in our life together as Harvard Memorial Church. As pilgrim people, the firm foundation and guide through the days of change is Christ, who anchors us when the earth rumbles and our trust is shaken. From the cardboard cathedral to the Radcliffe gym to Holden Chapel, to the horizon of faith, we must ask, where is God in our time? And then we must stand ready to meet Christ as a people hungry for truth, veritas, in this place, Harvard. When we meet God face to face as a community, our true grounding stands firm in the sure foundation of Jesus Christ, our hope, our joy and our guide. And for this, we are ever grateful. Thanks and glory be to God. Amen.